0: Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope. This is where you get to hear how to feel happy, balanced, and worthwhile. How to make that lonely ache vanish and feel empowered, confident, and secure. I'm Lauren Abrams, and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul by chatting with incredible leaders, healers, and elders who give us their message of hope after overcoming challenges of their own. Today, we get to talk to the incredible motivational speaker and bestselling author, Amberly Lago. A successful professional dancer and athlete, Amberly's world crumbled when an SUV plowed into her and she suffered horrific leg injuries. She was only given a 1% chance of even saving her leg, but she refused amputation. Amberly took that 1% chance and 34 surgeries later, her leg was saved, yet she ended up suffering severe chronic pain. She spiraled down into a depression because she tried everything for her chronic pain and nothing worked except for one thing and it's not what you think. Amberly's here today discussing resilience, perseverance, and how we can overcome anything in life. She's going to to tell us what happened, but also what each of us is capable of. Amberly gives us her perspective on how not just to live with chronic pain or whatever it is that each of us is going through, but how you get to thrive and have an amazing life beyond any limiting beliefs or thinking.
1: Welcome to 52 Weeks of
0: Hope, Amberly Lago.
1: Oh, thank you, Lauren. And thank you for such a beautiful introduction. I'm so grateful to be here and get to see your beautiful face and get to connect with your audience. So thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so grateful that we were able to do this. And I know you just got back from a mastermind. Was it all women? You're probably after masterminds are always so on fire for everything.
1: Oh my goodness. It was incredible. I think this trip in Florida, I was more grateful to be around people than i ever ever have been everything kind of shift it shifts your perspective being here in california and not being able to be around people then suddenly i was around 35 women i hugged people probably to the point where it might have been a little uncomfortable for them cuz i was like i'm going to hug you i haven't hugged in so long but it was transformative and there's something very healing about being by the ocean and at the end of the mastermind, so we went through, you know, I coached 35 women, we did panels. And at the end, me, along with my friend Tiff Peterson and Brooke Hemingway, we jumped in the ocean and it was just so healing. And you're right, it's like you get back and it just makes you realize more than ever the power there is in community and connection. And I think that being resilient is really about having those meaningful connections and having conversations that matter most.
0: Uh, definitely. And I, I keep saying, I miss hugging people. And so I've just slowly started to see people and hug them again. I'm like, wait, we can hug. Come on. Like, I saw my neighbor. He knew I he they have a new grandbaby. And I said, I can't wait to meet her. And he came over and I said, wait, we can hug. Hello. <laughs> it was just like, it's still novel again. I just, I miss it so much.
1: Oh, I know. I am a hugger. And so that is one of the things I missed the most. So I I got double vaccinated, which the the decision for me actually doing that, because I know some people are like, no way I'm getting that vaccine. And yes, I'm going to get it. And at first I was like, no way I'm getting the vaccine. And my 95 year old grandmother was talking to me and she said, you know, I think I'd rather take my chances with the vaccine than I would with COVID. So I'm going to get the vaccine and that kind of put everything in perspective. And then I don't know what COVID would do to me because I was diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome and how that would affect me. So it gave, you know, it made me feel a little safer. I know there's no guarantees, but it gave me the confidence to travel again. I felt like it gave me some freedom to hug whoever to be around. And I just trained one of my clients yesterday for the first time in over a year without a mask on. So it's, it's that feeling of hope I feel like is in the air now, you know, instead of fear, it's hope. Yeah. Which I love you saying that.
0: That sounds like it'll be a (laughs) soundbite. So your book, True Grit and Grace, Turning Tragedy into Triumph, documents your terrible accident that Mm -hmm. I mentioned in the intro and your amazing miracle recovery. Do you want to talk about what happened and... Do you know, I, I I don't want to forget to ask you if you know Alex Smith, the quarterback, and
1: about his recovery. No. Uh, okay, okay. I'll have so, to write that down. Alex
0: Smith? Yeah, from, well, he, he was on the Washington football team, but there's a documentary and it is ruling i am the queasiest person ever so when you talk about this you can't <laughs> i'll stop you i am no okay I, yeah i actually want you to no i do want you to talk about what happened and just like the verbiage has to be a little bit
1: <laughs> yes right. I, don't worry i won't make you pass out i mean yeah, actually okay, you. you know at the scene of the accident i honestly i, I knew it was bad but You know, I I was coming home from work on my motorcycle when I was hit by an SUV. And when I saw the other car, when you make eye contact with people when you're riding a motorcycle and they're like, okay, I think they see me. Okay, he sees me. Well, I was like, well, I thought he saw me. He went shooting out of the parking lot and made a left. I was going straight. He made a left and I tried to jump off my bike, but I only had time to let go of the clutch and and try to stand up a little bit. And I immediately felt pain and I was thrown about 30 feet. And when I came to a stop is when I looked down at my leg and looking at it, I knew it was bad, but I really, and it was pain like I've never experienced before, but I didn't realize it was that bad until... I saw the people around me and one lady fainted and people were scared to come up to me. It was pretty horrific. And luckily a, a lady did finally come up to me. She was a nurse and I was screaming and you know, all kinds of cuss words and, and which I don't normally cuss like that. And one of my thoughts was, Ooh, my Methodist mother would not be proud of me right now. And then one of my thoughts when I looked down at my leg was, Oh, I'm a, This isn't good. I might have to train clients on crutches for a while. Like I had no idea how drastically this was going to change my life. I also didn't realize my femoral artery was severed and I was bleeding out. So luckily a guy made a tourniquet on my leg. I wish I knew who he was he saved my life. Where
0: were you? Were you on a freeway or highway? I or a- was
1: on the middle of the street on Ventura Boulevard okay. in Woodland Hills. So I know you, we live close to each other. So I know you know where that area is and they shut down Ventura Boulevard and the nurse was like, you need to breathe with me. You just need to breathe. And so, you know, the paramedics got there really fast. My husband got there fast. Wow. You know, he said that his phone was ringing, ringing and ringing and, ringing, and he he wasn't answering it because it was, he didn't know the numbers that were calling in. And he finally thought, what is going on? Because his phone would not stop ringing. And I had been screaming out, call 911, please call my husband. And I was yelling out his number. And I was actually, I didn't want to try to reach, I didn't want to move. I, was just holding on to my leg because I really thought my leg was just gonna fall off. That's how broken into pieces it was. So he got to the scene of the accident. They got me in the ambulance and then I remember squeezing that paramedic's leg. And I was thinking, well, why isn't he looking at me? I wanted him to make some sort of eye contact to to yeah. let me know, okay, it's gonna be okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. I needed that little glimmer of hope, like you got this girl and I got nothing and I was like am I dying? What then I thought well,
0: was he following
1: the That's incredible. He was he was following Definitely. the The paramedics. And, you know, it's interesting. I just, at this mastermind, I had someone ask me, they were like, do you remember everything? And I was like, I remember everything in such detail, like so vividly. In fact, sometimes I wish that I didn't remember because for the longest time I would close my eyes and that's all I would see was the car coming at me and envision myself flying across and sliding across the asphalt. But when I got to the hospital, it was chaotic in there. I mean, the the ER room was filled with cops now because my husband's a cop and news travels fast. And he was crying. I never heard him cry before. So it was like, oh my goodness. And that scared me because I thought he's freaking out. What if I don't ever, what if I'm dying and He's a mess. And so I yelled across the hospital room, I was like, honey, I need you to get over here and be strong for me now. And he came over and he held my hand. And that's the last thing I remember before I was put in induced coma because I was basically my body, because I'd lost so much blood and I was going into shock, I was dying. And so, and they couldn't control my pain. So they put me in induced coma and That was the last thing I remember before, you know, this beautiful nurse leaned over me and she had this long flowing hair and she looked like an angel and her name's Shaniqua. And I actually still keep in touch with her to this day. And she gave me comfort because she said, don't, don't worry. We're going to make, give you something to make you feel all better now. And that's the last thing I remember before I woke up out of a coma with tubes down my throat, I'd been on, you know, life support and, and they said, we're going to have to amputate your leg.
0: So, wait, wait, a- so when you were, how long were you in a coma?
1: I was in a coma for a little over a week and they wanted to amputate my leg then. But my husband was like, no, I do not want you to amputate her leg. I want that to be her decision. I want her to be awake and that's her decision. And so when I finally did wake up, that's the first thing they told me was you've got a 1% chance of saving your leg. We really do need to amputate it. It's like a war wound. And I was like, wait a minute. You said 1%. Well, then I want to, I'm willing to bet on those odds. I want to try that 1%. I, I need to find a doctor who's going to try to help me save my leg. And we got on Google, we searched limb salvage, we pulled a lot of strings, we said a lot of prayers and were able to get me transferred to a hospital where Dr. Wiss performed in total over over years, over about three four years, I've lose track, but I don't lose track of the surgeries because it was thirty four surgeries, and they saved my leg, and so it's been a wild journey. And I think that it's so much about what we put our attention on. And like you, I love uh, fifty two weeks of hope because the the hope that I had was that one percent chance. Of saving my leg. And I held on to that hope. And sometimes that's all we need is just that little glimmer of hope to carry us through some of the most difficult challenges.
0: Reminding me, I had period of time where I had a thing in my car that said, God never gave us a dream without giving us the strength to carry it out. And there was also the reason I, when we were talking a little bit before when uh, I wasn't going to bother applying to UCLA because somebody like me, I would never get, you know, get in. And I, I talk about it in my first episode. And when somebody said to me, they take 25 people a year at that program from outside of UCLA. And I said, yeah. And he said, why not you? And I never would have applied if he didn't say that to me and and sometimes i sometimes waited to that in that program and 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 you know it it catapulted me on so it, but yours is like a whole different like but they they say we you will know, never take back.
1: We need era. somebody to say yeah. something like that to us. But for to-
0: you, it was like no, and I love your husband
1: for saying, uh-uh,
0: that's Amber." No, no, no. She's she's making that decision. He like it's also higher powered. Like it, that, he's your husband at that time. You know, in that place. I, I
1: love that. So keep going. Oh yeah. Well no, you're you're right. It is so much about the you know higher power. I couldn't have gotten through any of this without you know, my higher power that I call God that, like I said, there was a lot of praying and believe me, my husband reminds me still to this day, you have both your legs because of me. (laughs) And so I'm like, I know,
0: thank you such a guy Thank thing. And girls are like, we do this together. Guys are like, I did this.
1: <laughs> you, you're you so right. You are so right. I mean, he, he's kidding for the most part, but yeah. no, really. He's like, and our sense of humor throughout this has gotten us through a lot because after going through so many surgeries and I'm asked, people ask me, well, why did you choose to keep your leg? And I'm like, well, I didn't know I was going to have to have 34 surgeries. If I would have known, I probably would have said, you know what? Maybe not. In fact, a year after my accident, you know, I had been diagnosed when I got out of the hospital, I went to a doctor's appointment and I was so proud to be standing upright because they told me, you know, I was on crutches and they told me it'd take two years to walk walk again, if I would walk again. And I was like, it's been four months. It was like four, four and a half months. And I'm like, this doctor's going to be proud of me. I am upright on crutches already because I went from being this elite athlete. I was sponsored by Nike. I had a fitness business and employed several other trainers. I, I had a program where I taught People, how to get certified to be a trainer. It was a big, a big business and a big life. And I went from that and doing fitness videos to being bed bound in the hospital and having bed sores. So just to be upright and standing and be able to use the bathroom on my own without a bedpan was... I was really proud. And I I think it's really important for anybody listening to remember, like, how far you've come, like, what's the biggest challenge you've ever overcome. And when you're in a new struggle and something seems like scary, or you're anxious about it, or you're feeling sad, or you're feeling a little deflated, to remember about the hardest thing you have ever overcome and that you got through that. And that will give you the courage to keep going. But for me, when I was diagnosed with complex regional pain syndrome. That was really the beginning of my healing journey. And that's why like after a year of all these surgeries and everything, I actually went to the doctor and I was like, you know, I was like, I've got this solution. I was like, you know, this leg, it's not working properly. It's deformed. It's all scarred up. It just gives me too much pain. So we need to go ahead and cut it off. We need to schedule a surgery to cut it off. And he was like, well, you can't we can't do that. You have complex regional pain syndrome. And if we do that, it may not only get rid of your pain, it might make it worse. So that's not a solution for you. And at that point, I was really devastated. But sometimes I think the, the hardest situations or circumstances in our life, we can't see it in the moment. But it really leads us to the life beyond our wildest dreams, if we have a willingness to take action steps to create healthy habits to get better. And so after being really in a depression, in a state of denial, really, I didn't want to believe I was diagnosed with this disease. It took a lot of digging deep to find a new skill set, a new kind of create a a box of tools and so I reconnect with my higher power. Oh yeah.
0: So is the chronic pain syndrome, is that a result of the leg? Is Yeah.
1: They- Okay. Yeah, it's a result. It's caused by trauma, okay. and people can get it from breaking their wrist or spraining their ankle, or they can get it from a surgery. And it's when your sympathetic nervous system is all out of whack. For for lack of a better term, it's like a computer that needs to be rebooted. It's not working properly, so there's a constant pain signal nonstop, and your sympathetic nervous system controls like your temperature, sweating, goosebumps, and so on. I'm in a flare up, my leg will be a different color. It might have areas of goosebumps on it. It might swell. It burns. It feels like everyone has it a little bit differently. For me, it feels like when I have a shoe on and I'm having a flare up, it feels like the shoe is just like a vice grip squeezing my foot. I have it in my right leg and right foot. And so I've actually been, you know, there was one time recently I was at my daughter's Uh, She's a horseback rider. And I was at her competition and I wore pants. I can't wear pants that are too tight on my leg because it'll cause a flare up. And I had some pants on and I thought they would be fine. They weren't real, real tight, but for some reason they started flaring me up probably just because I was on my leg a lot. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to get these pants off. And one of the grooms at the horse show gave me scissors and the trainer saw me cutting my jeans uh, and they were $300 thinking, jeans.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm, t- I'm sitting there thinking scissors.
1: <laughs> yeah. I got scissors and I cut, I cut my jeans and I yeah, was like, I I, it's like, you need, it's, yeah. it's so the pain gets so overwhelming. It's like, you want to do anything to try to get out of that pain. And that led me down a road of really some unhealthy habits. I mean... I tried everything, ketamine infusions, You know, where they I would go in and the doctor would infuse me all day with ketamine to try to reboot my nervous system. I had a spinal cord stimulator. At one point I was on 73 homeopathic pills and 11 different prescriptions at one time and nothing was working. And so I'd started drinking to try to stuff down. It kind of numbed out the pain and that worked until it didn't, until it became a problem. And it was really changing my lifestyle everything. It wasn't just, you know, I feel like we have these pillars in our life of our physical, our emotional, our mental, our spiritual, our financial. And I had to work on all those pillars a little bit differently, like a little bit different. Like I had to change the way I ate. I had to get more sleep. I had to pause and ask myself, what does my body need? Because I had to unlearn some things. I was the kind of person that growing up in Texas, growing up an athlete and a dancer, I was taught, you just work harder. You ignore the pain, you know, no pain, no gain, hide your crazy and be a lady and you better grit (sighs) this out. And it was like, that didn't work for me anymore. I had to give myself grace and listen to my body and take care of myself. And so more than anything, it's, it's not just grit and being tough. It is about mental toughness, but it's also giving yourself some grace and being a best friend to yourself and being your best cheerleader. Because man, sometimes it's tough. Times get tough. And it's like, if we're not our own best friend, then who is going to be, you know, we have to know that we always have ourselves.
0: Yeah. Well, God is in the pause. So if we aren't, don't take that moment, just to be quiet. We, we can't hear the message anyway.
1: Yeah. You know, I do a spiritual reading every morning and it was about the pause. And so also every morning I read and then I text my sponsor and I tell her three things I'm grateful for. And I, I text her my reading and this reading was all about the pause. And it says, the great creative power is everything. If you leave out one whole chunk of it by making God only masculine, you have to readdress the balance. Okay, that was one. (laughs) But the one that I like too was be still and listen to the stillness within. And so I love doing these readings because it reminds me to connect with God because sometimes when life gets busy and things get good we forget like we need to like really connect with our higher power and and you know ourselves and ask ourselves what do we need and do things that allow us to be in that creative zone because it can and have non-negotiables i don't know if you have non-negotiables but i have some things that if i don't do them every day i start getting kind of off kilter or, as my family likes to say, crazy. So, <laughs> creating those rituals and sticking to it makes a huge difference. So, what are your morning rituals? What do you do every morning? Well, I love to wake up early and have quiet time by myself before the rest of the house wakes up. And before, you know, I'm making breakfast or checking email or, you know, taking care of my daughter who's still here in virtual school at home. And so I wake up early so I can have that quiet time. And I do not, as much as I want to, I do not grab my phone and look at it. I don't scroll through Instagram, even though I want to, I don't check email. I'm like, no, I need to have time to myself. I write in my journal. I write three things I'm grateful for. I write what my intentions are. And like I said, I text my sponsor every single day. It doesn't matter if I'm traveling. I might text her a little bit later if I'm on a plane, but I always text her what I'm grateful for. Because when you express that gratitude, it makes you feel it even more. And then I move my body. That's why I'm still in workout clothes. And I think, you know, a lot of people think they have to do journaling a certain way or they have to have a fancy journal and i i grab anything like i have just this like little notebook i oh, yeah. and sometimes i write like no one else is going to read it oh, yeah 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 see i mean and there's something very healing about writing because and, and honestly i had no idea that the journal entries that I wrote in the hospital bed, that was really therapy for me, had no idea that some of those journal entries would be in a book that I would write in the future. So you, you know, you never know. I like to write like no one else is going to read it. Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah, definitely. I've been doing, I've been exchanging gratitude lists for well over a decade.
1: It's alchemy, you know, isn't valley. it?
0: Yeah. It's like and somebody said, Well, I don't feel grateful. I'm like, that's not the point. You're grateful by the time you get to the end. <laughs> it's not like you you do it to feel grateful. You don't do it to like Anyway, it's and it raises our frequency and our vibrational level. It does so much for us. And I'm like, you want It really shifts there? your
1: perspective, yeah. doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And then when I'm mad, it's got a i am mad it has got text him a, a graduate list of everything that I'm grateful for. And by the time I get to that, I'm like, he's so great.
1: <laughs> I know. You know, that's so I'm so glad you brought that up. It's it's so important because yeah, that's such a good idea when you're upset with someone to think about, you know, the things that you are grateful for. Like we were watching home videos last night, and I was like, oh my goodness. There I was in one of the videos. My youngest daughter was two years old, and I'm limping around because my leg is still broken. And I had fallen down the stairs on my crutches, and so my wrist was broken. And she was in the video. She's like, Mama, mama, I want to see. And I pick her up with one arm and I put her on the counter and I had baked the cake for my oldest daughter and my husband's videoing. And I thought, you know what? I could be upset with him for things. Sometimes I got upset last night because him and my daughter were being you know, rowdy and getting into it. And I like to claim my peace at night. I'm like, I just need peace. Y'all stop acting up. <laughs> and I saw that video and I was like, gosh, you know, here's a man that I didn't go through all these surgeries by myself. He, watching that video, I was like, he went through that with me. He took me to the hospital every single time he was with me when I woke up. That's a lot. I mean, I get emotional just thinking about it. So I'm glad you said that when I'm upset with him, I'm going to write him a little gratitude list. Yeah, (laughs) because it works. It makes you so grateful just to, for what you do have instead of what you don't have. And it makes you grateful for the things that you can do. And instead of focusing on the things that you can't do.
0: Right. It's the whole thing. Whatever we focus on grows. It's that simple. I I talked to uh, rabbi Jill Zimmerman, one of my first episodes, she learned all this stuff growing up and she, she did all she's talked about. It. She was so amazing. I, I'm like, how'd you learn this? And my mom taught me and she knew all her feelings because her mom taught her. She's older,
1: definitely older than us. I mean, I'm, you know, old, I'm older than you anyway, but I, you no, know, what? I don't think you are. I yeah. think we're the same age, but,
0: but I'm like, I never, I mean, I know, I'm, I know way better now how I'm feeling in the moment. My kids know. I'm always so amazed. I'm like, wow, you know how you feel right. Contem- right now contemporaneously. <laughs> that's so amazing.
1: Yeah. You know, my mom is such an amazing lady and, she worked so hard. So I definitely learned a lot of grit and how to work hard from her. But I think that she's so gracious in everything she does and so kind. And so I learned that from her. And what I think really taught me about gratitude was growing up, we were taught to always say, thank you. We didn't, she wasn't saying this is gratitude and this is how gratitude works. But I learned through what she did. And one of the things that really showed me the magic of gratitude was when I was in the hospital and I was laying there and I didn't know is today going to be the day that they amputated? Is this next surgery or am I going to make it through this next surgery? And I remember getting really depressed and, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, I can keep staring down at my leg or being depressed. And instead I turned to my journal and I started, and it wasn't a journal. It was actually like a little notebook. I still have that notebook. And I was writing down everything, the nurses and their names, all the people that came in to see me. I was writing down, you know, all the gifts that they had brought me and writing thank you notes because My mom taught me that we always wrote thank you notes. And so I I found that when I would write these thank you notes, it changed the way that I felt. And so when you can be of service to someone, when you can be kind, it really changes the way that you feel. For instance, you know, we were talking about me getting back from Florida when I was I had a layover in Atlanta and I got there to the, the gate and there was a guy in a wheelchair and I can relate to him being in a wheelchair because I was in a wheelchair for so long. And he was sitting there and he didn't have anybody with him. And I walked over and I said, do you need help? He said, yeah, I, I need to use the bathroom. And I told them, but I think they forgot about me. And I said, you know what? I mean, and let me tell you, I was tired. I was hurting. I was exhausted. And just me helping him get to the bathroom I I stopped thinking about how tired I was, how I was hurting. It just gave me this feeling of gratitude that I was able to help him and then he was good you know and so just little acts of kindness and little acts that we can do to pay it forward are all around us and it's just being aware of that and taking action on it and you know a lot of people say well how can i be of service when i'm stuck at home and i'm not even in the office or and i'm like you know there there's so many things you can do i was of service in the hospital just by reaching out to clients and checking in on it and making sure that they had their workout still going on, or I could get another trainer to to work with them while I was in the hospital. And so doing those little things or just checking on somebody that you feel like, oh, they're strong. They don't They don't need me. They've got this. They could need you if you just check on them. And even if you tell them why you're grateful for them, it really shifts their day. And like you said, it raises their vibration. So I think it's really important to remember those things that make a big difference in people's lives. I know it makes a big difference in my life when I get a message like that.
0: Oh, it absolutely does. And I mean, when they are clubhouse, which is how I know you they, they did this thing where it said, send money where people could send me money. I'm like, why would anybody send me money? <laughs> like what for talking? I don't know. I just, and, uh, so I doing a fundraiser for foster kids, like there's always something you can do, you know, and, uh,
1: anyway, so. Yeah. And- I love that. you know, I love that we met on clubhouse and, I, I hold a support group every Friday for people who have been diagnosed with CRPS or they're overcoming trauma or they just live with chronic pain. And in that group, we have someone that I met on Instagram and we've become friends. She had to have an amputation and she didn't have her medical insurance didn't cover the hospital where she was supposed to have the amputation with this certain doctor. And in our clubhouse room, Now, this is before I didn't have like, they didn't send it to me. We set up a GoFund for her, Uh GoFundMe. We raised $19,000 just by being in a room and her sharing her story. And so she was able to have her surgery. And the doctor told her if she would have waited one more day, she had compartment syndrome and it could have been worse. They would have had to amputate her entire leg so it's amazing what you can do when you come together with community, especially with like loving passionate inspired people who want to help it's like I feel like we can change the world
0: yeah oh absolutely I mean I'm just connecting with them your vibe attracts your tribe it's it's that I know i that we get to attract people that that we're supposed to yeah, so what would you tell someone who's having a hard time i don't mean i don't mean. Uh, clinically depressed, but the having those days where you just don't want to get out of bed and you're sluggish, which plenty of people have been having um, through the pandemic. And now we're starting to get out and you're like, I don't want to go out. I don't, I don't want to see anyone. I'm not feeling good. I feel fat. I feel wrinkled. I don't know. I feel physically gross or I feel emotionally like depleted. What would you tell someone that's struggling in that
1: way? Well, Lauren, first of all, I can say I have felt all those things <laughs> like all of those things sometimes all of them at once and i think we all have times where you you know we're not always going to be motivated we're not always going to be happy we're not always going to be like oh i'm so joyous let's go conquer the world but i tell you what i would say the the thing that changes your mood and makes you feel better. And you're if you're feeling down or you're feeling sluggish, you're not gonna wanna do this. But what you have to do is move your body because moving your body, it really moves your mood. It moves your mindset. Not only that, moving your body releases endorphins, which combat pain, which make you feel good. And also it builds your confidence. I'm not saying you have to do some strenuous one hour workout or whatever. It can literally be 10 minutes of moving your body, and you will feel a difference in the way you think. You will be more creative. Just to take a break and go outside in nature is so rejuvenating because for me, that's where I connect with God. That's where I can get away from the noise, and we need to get away from all the noise and unplug from our devices so we can really tap into what brings us joy again. And you know, I know life is busy on zoom and and to keep up with social media and all of that stuff. And so part of my non-negotiables, and I've messed up, I mean, I mess up on this and I have to get back on track and I'll go, oh gosh, why do I feel like crap? And it's like, oh, because I didn't move my body. like This is the second day I didn't move my body or whatever it is at the time. But I have a chin-up bar in my office here and a Swiss ball and a foam roller. And so there are days when I'm back to back to back where I might only have time to do things in between Zoom sessions or whatever it may be. But Moving your body, I would say, even when you don't feel like it, is going to give you energy. You're going to feel more energized, even if you're like sluggish. It is, to me, it's my medicine and it has changed my life. I'm grateful that I grew up moving and dancing and being an athlete because I knew even in the hospital, stuck in the hospital bed, if I just moved my body, I would feel better. And so I asked them in the hospital, can you please install a pull-up bar over my bed? And I asked one of the trainers, can you please bring some dumbbells? And it wasn't like I was doing these strenuous workouts in between surgery. But I was doing it because I wanted to be able to use the bathroom on my own, use that bedpan without a nurse having to help me. I wanted to keep my upper body as strong as possible. And it does something to you emotionally, mentally, physically. It, it, it makes you feel better and stronger and more confident in every way. So there's always a way you can move your body, even if it's, you know, like me, when I was completely bedridden, I tried to move my upper body. Just start where you are and use what you have and do what you can. And once you start to feel the difference in that and how you feel, you will crave it. You will want to do it. It will be a part of your non-negotiable.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. Do you have skeptics, people that say, why do you even bother? And Or do you not even attract those? When, oh, gosh, you, yeah.
1: I you, <laughs> phew, Let me tell you. <laughs> I remember when I got my first not skeptics, uh, haters, they were like full on full and, and I was shocked. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm just trying to help people and give them hope and inspire them. And it was, I had been a guest, uh, done an interview on the doctor's TV mm-hmm. And when I was interviewed, they edited out the part where I talked about all the different treatments that I had tried and that none worked for me. And so uh, it just said that I use my mindset and that's what gets rid of pain. And I'm like, no, first of all, my mindset doesn't get rid of pain. It helps me get through the pain. My lifestyle helps lower the pain, and so I had people coming out of the woodworks in a support group that I was in that was like, "You're a disgrace to the CRPS community. You you make it seem like it's so easy." And how dare you even wear? It's nice that you can wear those shoes and a dress on TV. So I was being like just bashed for what I was wearing, what I looked like. And I was like, you know what? You would be smiling too if you were looking at that good looking doctor on national TV. I felt no pain at that moment because I was so nervous to be on TV. And I was just sharing what I do on a daily basis to be more resilient and get through the pain. But you'll always have people out there that are going to be a skeptic or the naysayers or the haters. And it's like, You can allow it to tear you down and bring you down, or you can allow that to make you believe in your message even more. And so I was really upset. It hurt my heart when I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to help in my own people, my own CRPS warriors, not all, but there are a few. And it's funny how you remember, or those negative comments seem to stick like Velcro. And there could have been a million other things said, but I was like that those negative comments. And I told my husband, I was like, wow, I have these haters in this support group. And he was like, congratulations. Good. That means your message is getting out there. And I had to go, yeah, you know what? And that's not the support group for me. I'm out of there peace out. You guys, I'm love and light. You can go with the, I, I want to be on team love and light. So anybody that's spreading hope and and light and passion. And it's not like I just raw, raw cheerleaders share the good things. I, I think one of the reasons I've connected with a lot of people through social media and especially Instagram is because I show them there are days where my 13 year old had to push me in a shopping cart because I couldn't walk any anymore. There are days when I'm standing on a stage and I feel no pain because of the adrenaline and I feel the pain after I get off the stage, but I show the good, the bad, the, the, I try to keep it real, but I also don't just sit there and show pictures all day long of when I'm having a flare up or my deformed leg, because honestly, it's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on the positive. And I think that when we choose to focus on the good in our life, the good just keeps getting better. And so I want to focus on what good is going on cuz I want to keep the good times and the good things to keep coming my way and everybody's way. It's so important. You know, what you what you choose it, it really makes a difference in your resilience on what you're choosing in life.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, don't these people know about editing, but I love when I was looking at some of your past appearances or maybe it was a podcast, I'm not sure what it was, but when you did that shift where you love your leg. Mm. I I thought that That was was really amazing. Can you you want to just briefly talk about that before we finish? I just think that's just that attitude shift or the way we see things.
1: You know, for a long time, Lauren, I couldn't even talk about that without crying because it was such a big change in my it really changed my life. But if I can go from hating myself and my leg and to looking at it totally different, then if I share that, what can someone else do? Maybe somebody else can start to look at their life or their body or, you know, the person that they are a little bit differently. But, you know, after my accident, I went from doing you know, being in Shape Magazine and Health Magazine and, and a regular contributor for exercise tips for Shape and doing infomercials with Body by Jake. And I had done a fitness video the day before my accident and to wake up, have all these surgeries. And now my leg, my ankles fused. So people are always like, oh, you wear boots to work out. And I'm like, well, my ankles fused and it my foot doesn't even straighten all the way where I can stand up on my foot. It doesn't go to 90 degrees. And so having a boot gives me that little lift and my legs deformed. It was really hard. And I, my self-worth was all caught up in what I did, what I provided for my family and what I, you know, what I looked like. And that was completely just in an instant all gone. And I was, you know, out of my career was gone. My looks were gone. My confidence was gone. And I really had to take a look at, well, my self-worth and everyone's self-worth, we're all worthy. We were born worthy. And it's who we are as a person, how and how we love and the kindness that we give. And I remember going into the doctor's office and I, I just hated the way my leg looked and I sat down in front of him. And usually, you know, the doctors and he's the doctor that saved my leg. Usually they'll put your leg up on the table. Well, he sat down in front of me and he put my leg in his lap. And my first thought was, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's putting my ugly, disgusting, deformed leg in his lap." And then he did something. And he looked at it like it was his masterpiece, like this leg was the 1% leg that I saved. Look at this. It's a miracle. And I started crying and I was like, wow, if he can look at my leg that way, then maybe I can learn to look at it that way too. And little by little, it wasn't like easy and overnight, but I was able to start shifting the way that I looked at my leg and loving it and being appreciative for all that it did do instead of looking at it for all that it didn't do and how it looked. I was like, God, this leg's a freaking miracle. This leg is $2.9 million worth of medical bills. It's worth a lot of money. And this leg is about the scars that I have representing the battles that I have won. And so everything changed and and the thing is, we have the ability to shift our perspective it's it's all how ha- it's not really what happens, but it's how we view it and how we decide our attitude is about it and so I think if you start trying to just shift your perspective a little bit every day. It's like, it allows me to, I wear shorts. I don't, I mean, I'm proud of my scars now because I'm like, yeah, maybe if somebody sees them, it will show them that, wow, they'll heal. They'll get through these times. I mean, I even had a lady that, had a double mastectomy and she was so embarrassed of her scars. And I met her through Instagram and she said, you've changed the way that I view my body now. Now I love my scars. And I just saw she's like doing videos with her pictures and videos, like completely topless. So I'm like, oh my gosh, she really does love her body. She's showing it off. You know, I'm like, good for her. But you know, just that little shift can change a whole lot.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's just such a great story.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely the whole thing with affirmations and telling ourselves, I love you out loud, and I am a worthy person, even putting on moisturizer, saying I love my skin, I love my arm, I love my leg, whatever it is, it helps so much. And it's accepting us wherever we're at, however we are. And Mm -hmm. for you, it was just, it was so poignant. So I I appreciate, thank you for sharing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have a message of hope you want to give?
1: Yeah, I think that, like I said earlier, all we need is that little glimmer of hope. It's powerful that can carry us through. And I think it's really important to know that we have all that we need inside us to get through those tough moments. But it also helps that when we have people around us that can remind us of how powerful we how powerful we are the human spirit is so powerful and so i think that change is possible and hope is available. And just to keep, like you said, doing those affirmations, writing it out, saying it out loud and reaching out to other people and spreading kindness and, and sharing what we're grateful for can take us a long way and can keep moving us forward.
0: Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much
1: for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope, Amberley. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love talking with you and hope I get to see you in person really soon. And, you know, anybody, I think that, you know, it helps when we have people to talk to. So reach out to me. You can reach out, DM on Instagram or anything. Reach out or amberlylago.com because I'd love to hear from people.
0: Yeah. And all of our links, everything will be uh, on the website and with the show notes and everything else. So we'll have that there. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you Amberlee's messages of resilience, transformation, and belief because anything really is possible. I'm an example of that. <laughs> Be sure to tune in next week when beautiful Buddhist spiritual leader Spring Washam joins us. Spring's a Dharma teacher at Woodacre Spirit Rock Meditation Center and she also holds these super cool retreats in Peru. She discusses how to overcome stress, fear, anxiety, how to practice self-forgiveness, how to help you discover your life's purpose and make your own inner calling come true. She also answers some really basic questions about meditation for any new practitioner. She's so amazing. After Kristen a couple weeks ago, Amberly this week, and hearing spring next week, we're all going to be floating or vibrating on the super high energy level. This is just so much fun. Be sure to tune in tomorrow morning in the Hope Club on Clubhouse and get your day started right. And also let's all chat and get to know each other. We're also on the Facebook group page. So go ahead and join us there or just go to my website for all of our information at 52 weeksahopecom I also want to thank Yoga Kenya for such a great review. It was so nice. Thank you. She said that 52 Weeks of Hope always has inspiring guests that remind her that life isn't always sunshine and rainbows and we have a choice to let ourselves go and begin again as many times as we need it and that she loves how the guests here believe no matter who we are or what we've been through, we all deserve health, happiness, and hope. Such a great review. Thank you so much for that. Yoga CYN. I really appreciate it. So please remember to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a positive review and send us feedback on the website, 52weeksofhope.com. Tell two of your friends. I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.